Welcome to the Women's Footy Podcast. I'm speaking to CJ. CJ, thank you for coming on and ask a few questions. This is, I suppose this is a bit of a behind the scenes Q&A, but <laughs> CJ. How long do you give yourself after the game to recover versus pre, like prior to the game? Um, what should you be doing? Because there's, you know, I've seen seen so many different things, but some people even speak about on you know a Friday before a game, just quickly getting some um, like reaction type exercises in to you know work on your reaction or work on like your nerve some things. I don't even know what the right terminology is, but um, I've even yeah heard some of that. But to me, that doesn't that doesn't seem right if you're doing stuff in the gym on a Friday and you're playing on a Saturday. So, um, yeah, you answer my questions. <laughs> what you're touching on is called priming, and so I would call it a CNS session. So central yeah. nervous system is what CNS stands for, and it's a priming session. So I highly recommend if you're interested in this stuff, Google priming for athletic performance and look that up. And, yes, I would incorporate that on a Friday. So okay. it kind of goes against what I've just said, don't do anything on your legs. But what you're doing is you're not actually fatiguing the legs in any way. You're And you're not even really working your muscles as much as you're working your nerves. So it's more of a neural session and you're firing up the nervous system. And so the research has showed that doing a CNS or a priming session anywhere from like a few hours before a game to 24 hours, even sometimes a little bit longer, you can get benefits before a game is actually really beneficial and sometimes you can have a decline in performance by not doing this sort of thing by like by peak. So if you are trying to get someone to peak for an event, for example, and just say it's grand final day and you go yeah. and get them off their legs and they, they can end up getting sluggish. So you do need to kind of fire up the nervous system again. And so a priming session like I like to generally do at 24 hours before just for a footballer because and there's no reason why you couldn't do it the morning of it it's probably actually best to do the morning of, but often people can't get there and do that. So what I would suggest, if you're playing on a Saturday afternoon, you know, midday, whatever, through to Saturday night, then I would try to on Friday afternoon after work, go and do this CNS session or this priming session. And typically that's going to be really kind of quick ballistic type movement. So it might be um, like a hex squat type um, movement where you're lifting like relatively heavy weight but not super heavy uh, maybe three quarters and you're only doing a few reps it might be two sets of say three four six reps so let's for simplicity say five reps and then it would then be followed by like some real quick powerful stuff so it might be a um even a box squat say for example where you've got a bar on your back and you're squatting down to a box which is not too deep again i would be careful with putting bars on your back on the friday because um, then you're going to compress the spine. And like there's actually kangaroos like back a while back in about 2013-ish went away. A lot of AFL clubs actually went away from doing back squats and they started doing belt squats and things or squats where they put mm. a, um, a belt around and then a plate down and they squatted between two boxes so the plate went between the two boxes just to get the weight off the back. Um, so belt squats are really popular in AFL system at the moment. Uh, and they are, and I love them. Just it's really hard to find a gym that a commercial gym that actually has a belt squat. Even the Northern Territory Academy of Sport doesn't even have a belt squat. But a belt squat with a as a machine is where there's a belt that comes around your back. It goes between your legs at this anchor point, and then it goes down underneath the machine and back up the other side. And so you can squat 
um, but you don't have the, the compression of the spine by having the bar on the back. So it's actually much better for your back and you're pu- purely then focusing on legs. Anyway, I'm getting off track a little bit here. But to, so for example, you might be doing some kind of a squat and that's why I like, like the hex bar squat type thing because you're holding the handles on the side and squatting in between it straight into some form of a jump. So it might be a box jump or it might be something a little yeah. bit more plyometric, true plyometric because a box squat is not true plyometric. Um, it's more of a power movement. Plyometric needs to have the stretch shortened um, reflex of the tendons. So a drop jump or a depth jump can be better. The difference between the two of them, a drop jump is where you jump off a box, probably not too high, probably no higher than about 30 centimetres, and then hit the ground really quick. You don't squat down. You hit the ground like stiff-legged and then bounce up the other side and you can either bounce up onto something nice and small, maybe another box about 15 to 30 centimetres high if you can get that high, or even just over a line or just just up for height and not try and get onto something. Sometimes going up onto something on the other side can take the purpose away of doing that and people kind of squat down to try and get um, more height on the rebound jump. But it's more of a pogo. So it's purely focusing on the tendons, whereas a the difference between a drop jump like that and a depth jump, depth jump is you're going down for depth. So you're going into a squat and then exploding up to the other side. So it's more muscle. Um, so you still got your tendon, but it's much more muscle. So you could do something like that. So two sets of five, with like a hex bar squat into a, you know, um, to two sets of five of um, the drop jumps. You might do some other stuff in there. It's some I, I like to do some medicine ball stuff, but generally there's only about four exercises in there. Generally, it's mainly focused on legs. There might be some upper body stuff. I do like to incorporate some core stuff. And so for that reason, I would incorporate some medicine ball stuff where it might be something where it's for power. So like... Um, like a medicine ball slam each side or a rugby pass with the medicine ball using a a light medicine ball. So probably two to three kilos so you can move it really quick. Um, And it it is about moving it quick. And again, it's not about too many reps. So it's like five reps type thing. Um, So Mm -hmm. something like that four exercise workout really quick, short, sharp is, um, is really effective for firing up the central nervous system and then getting you to perform at your peak on game day. Uh, to go back to what you said about the um, recovery after a game, I do like to have about the 48-hour to 72-hour if possible, but you kind of need to be doing active recovery. So if you've played on a Saturday, the next day doing a pool session or even a walk or a yoga session is going to be really beneficial to get the recovery happening. Ice bars are great, particularly in da- if you're in, you're in a tropical climate, You know, right after a game to lower the core temperature. Probably the most important thing is getting the water back in. If you lose, I like to get people to weigh themselves before and after a game. And what you will lose in that time is going to be water. You don't lose muscle and fat in a two-hour game of football. So what you're losing is water. So if you weigh yourself at the start of a game, and let's just say you weigh 65 kilos, and then you weigh yourself at the end of the game and you weigh 63 kilos, you've lost two liters of water. So you can only absorb approximately one liter of water per hour. So you need to drink two litres of water. But if you go and have all that in the first hour, you're not going to absorb all of that. Half of it approximately is going to be excreted through urine or sweat So, or and a combination of sweat, so both the two of them. So what you need to do is drink a litre of water every hour for two hours. So, And I would probably have a little bit more. I'd maybe have 1.25 litres just to kind of go over the top a bit. And if you've lost three kilos, I would have a litre of water 
every hour for three hours. And so that's how I base that. So that's probably the most important thing above all else. Sleep is the number one performance enhancer. So getting good quality sleep is obviously good. And then, you know, jumping into an ice bath to cool the temperature and all that. And then having the recovery benefits of the ice bath is going to be beneficial after a game. The next day, if you can't do it the straight after the game, ice bath the next day is still going to be beneficial. Otherwise, or, and or doing, as I've just said, like some form like of a pool session, a pretty easy pool session, moving in the water, um, maybe some swimming, but mainly just moving in the water, some stretches in the water is going to be great. Just some like deep water running, like easy deep water running. Um, and then, as I said, like even just walking or a yoga session is going to be great. Monday, if you're still feeling too tight, I would have it off and I'll do some one of those that I've just mentioned as another recovery session. Otherwise, if you're okay, then I would go into that lower body accessory workout that I alluded to in my footy fit program. Mm -hmm. Then did I answer everything? I think so. Yeah, I think so. CJ, thank you so much for your time and asking these questions. Good luck. No worries. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) 